Numbers chapter 11, I can hear the groanings already. We were in Numbers chapter 11 about three weeks ago, and probably wish we'd never go back. And the only bad part about when we preach Numbers chapter 11, we only preach through the first three verses, which means there's a lot more to go. Numbers chapter 11, I'd like to read a few verses of Scripture here and then try to give you what the Lord's put on my heart. Numbers chapter 11, when you find your place, would you stand in honor for the reading of the Word of God? I'm going to invoke some help from you all today. Let's go, uh, thank you, Brother Brian, I appreciate that. Uh, let's, uh, let's do it this uh, tennis or ping pong, however you want to call it, responsive, I think is what the high church calls it, amen. I don't care, we're going to read the Bible, amen. I'll start in verse 4, and then uh, you throw it back, and we'll go to verse 10, and then, uh, and then we'll pray, all right? Bible says in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again, and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. The anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Let's pick it up again. We're going to read a few more. Begin in verse 24. I'll read 24, and then we'll read and we'll stop uh, at verse... Well, let's see here. I know this is a little disjointed here. No, we want 31. 31 to the end of the chapter. Bible says in verse 31, And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. You see, I gave you all that word to say because you knew I couldn't say it. <laughs> Verse 35, And the people journeyed from Kibroth Hadava unto that place, Hazroth, and abode at Hazroth. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for uh, visiting us already this morning. Lord, we sure do long for heaven. Father, there is no place we would rather be. And Father, I guess uh, the only place we'd rather be in heaven would be right here around the Word of God. So, Father, I pray once again you'd open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Father, I pray that you get me out of the way. Lord, I'm just an unprofitable servant. And Lord, unless you do something, these people are not going to get anything. Father, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. Strengthen your sheep today. Give us exactly what we need in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Like I said uh, about three weeks back, we preached out in Numbers chapter 11, verse 1 to 3, and it had to do with complaining, and that's why we took a break for three weeks, So I didn't want to be the first Baptist church in Michigan to be stoned, <clears throat> and by, not like that stone, but like with rocks. You got to explain that, you know, in Michigan and Colorado these days, you are the high state, and uh, by way of review in the text... And if that's not funny, your funny bone's busted. In the text we saw when we were preaching about complaining, that number one, it displeases the Lord. Number two, the Lord hears it. Number three, it just flat out made him angry. And that's what our complaining does. But we didn't leave you there. We didn't leave you with the anger and the wrath of God. We gave you a way out. And we gave you the remedy for complaining, which is found in the text. Number one, get a hold of the Lord today. Number two, learn to complain to Him alone. That's the hardest thing, isn't it? Just learning to complain to God. Man, I am so good. At, it's not confession time. You call it whatever you want. I'm so good at complaining to my wife. But you know what? She can't fix it. And I just got to learn. You got to learn to complain to the Lord. Amen. That old uh, Negro spiritual, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, right? And nobody should know but the Lord. We learn to complain to him alone. And number three, learn to recognize and name the places where you complain. Name it and then go the other way. But today we're pressing on the upward way. Amen. And uh, you would think by now that Israel would learn. Lord got after him. The Bible says the Lord burned him up. He sent fire. He consumed part of his own people that he loved in the camp. And let me tell you what, and I'm thankful we live in the New Testament, aren't you? I'm thankful to be under grace. As one preacher said, if you weren't, for, you weren't under grace, you'd be underground. Amen. <laughs> but here's the thing. You would think by now Israel just learned to trust the Lord. But like yourself, it's so much easier to talk about trusting the Lord than to actually do it. That's a hard thing. But here as we move into the text, uh, chapter 11, uh, beginning at verse 4, I want to introduce to you a real mess. One preacher says it like this, you're all a soup sandwich. And Christians are a real mess, aren't they? I like to preach a message, maybe teach a little bit, and it might be different, but whatever. I believe it's what we need this morning. But I want to preach about a mixed up mess. Mixed up mess. And as we approach this passage here, I want to introduce you to a real mess that reappears. And this is the mess of the mixed multitude. The mixed multitude. You want to see that thing happen twice, that that phrase happened twice, one in Exodus and one here in the book of Numbers. There's a mixed multitude, and they bring with them a mess. And as a Christian, you and I are going to have to deal with some real messes that show up. No matter how hard you try, you wake up tomorrow morning, you'll be dealing with a mess. Amen? And the Christian life is full of messes. Only mess that you don't have to deal with, if you're saved, is the mess of burning forever in hell. Amen? But when you get saved, there's a whole other mess of trouble that comes your way, isn't there? And as a Christian, you're going to have to learn to deal with some messes. And what we're not good at is dealing with the mess. We, we just wish that the mess would never happen many times. Well, I know it's got to happen to me. And I don't, why are you putting that? Well, that's, that's the mess. That's the mess. But I want you to see here in the passage, if you look with me, that uh, this mess, it came out of Egypt when Israel left. This mess of the mixed multitude came out of Egypt, when uh, Israel left out of Egypt. Take your Bible just for a second and go to Exodus chapter 12. I want to show you where this thing happens and where this mess comes out with the people. 
You see, when Israel was redeemed and when the Lord brought them out of Israel with a strong hand, amen, and the Bible says that the Egyptians, I'm sorry, the Israelites spoiled the Egyptians. In other words, the people of Egypt were so urgent to get them out of Dodge, they gave them whatever it is they wanted. Here, you want a million bucks? Take a million bucks. Take two. Like, you, know, you know, you're a Jew, you probably take three. And they were urgent upon the people, and they were getting out of Dodge so fast that another group went with them. And we often forget that. And this mess come out of, in the, chapter 12, verse 38 of uh, Exodus there. The Bible says, look at it with me, and a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks, and herds, and very much cattle. So you got the children of Israel, over a million strong, possibly even two, two million coming out of Egypt. That must have been a sight. I mean, let's everyone get out of Tower City. Was there about 10,000? <laughs> you know, now take a two million or so. And they're coming out of Egypt like gangbusters, and here comes a mixed multitude. You say, what was They're a bunch of Egyptians. They're a bunch of Egyptians that were unhappy with Egypt. Can I remind you that you're not the only person here today if you're saved that's sick and tired of this world. You get the idea that every lost person just loves this world. No, they don't. Matter of fact, a lot of, a lot of lost people are just longing for something better. That's why it's so important to get the gospel to people because they know that there's something better out there than they got. I mean, you're really going to tell me that generation after generation, even in old beloved Iosco County, there's got to be something better than this. And what come, out of, uh, what come out of Egypt was a mixed multitude, and they were Egyptians. They were Egyptians. Now, let me show you another verse here. Let me tell you what. Uh, they, were, they were people that were following a movement. Look at 1 Samuel for a second. I, I think it's important to show you this. A lot of people will often think because a church is full, because the pews are full, there must be something going on at that church house. Au contraire, mon frere, that's not always the case. But can I tell you, there's a lot of disappointed people in this world that are looking for answers. And just because a church can fill the pews, and just because a church can pack it out, doesn't mean a thing. I'll show you this. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2. You've got David. David, he, uh, only a boy named David, only a little sling, only a boy named David, but he could pray and sing, right? And he gets down in the valley of Eli and he whips the giant, right? And next thing you know, he's the king's son-in-law. How cool is that? Not so cool after a while as you read the Bible, amen? But what happens is, is what happens is Saul, he gets jealous of David. You know the story, you know, uh, Saul has killed his thousands and David's killed his ten thousand. He was so narcissistic and stuck on himself. I know none of y'all are like that. But nothing could, good could be said about David if it was more important than Saul. But I want you to notice in 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, what happens. David's now on the run. Saul's trying to kill David. And look what happens uh, to David. Verse 2 says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them, and there was with him about 400 men. You say, why'd you show me that verse? Well, I want you to see that not everyone went and followed David because they thought David should be king. There's a bunch of people that saw David kill that, that giant. Let me tell you what, I ain't a very smart man. But if I saw a fellow kill a giant, I'd want to hang around him too, wouldn't you? I really would. I'm like, that's cool. Can you teach me how to do that? He's like, no, shut up. No problem. Amen. But notice in that text, verse 2, it says everyone that was in, okay, 
Some of y'all stressed out today, aren't you? And you find someone, when you get around that individual, he's got the peace of God and the power of God on him, you want to spend some time around him, don't you? There's a couple people come to my mind, amen, and I want to be around them. I'm telling you, not everyone followed David because they were, against, they were running for their lives or against Saul. But not only that, the third D, because see, look, you're all a 3D prospect in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're in debt. You say, oh, no, preacher, I paid. I'm, okay, fine. But you owe a debt you couldn't pay. And he paid the debt that you couldn't pay. But see, a bunch of people, they gathered around David. Why? Because David protected him. David provided for him. And wherever David went, the hand of God was upon him. So you know the reason a lot of people show up? Because they're spiritually bankrupt. And they're hoping that they just hang around the man of God and the power of God just fall like manna from heaven, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm just showing you that, that this mixed multitude that come out of Egypt, uh, uh, they were just some of the Egyptians that followed. Can I tell you that this mixed multitude... They had seen real power. And if you have any kind of sense at all, you're drawn to real power. I'm drawn to power. I don't know about the rest of y'all. <laughs> but if I see someone that has power, besides I see someone in the woods that really knows how to work a saw, really knows how to wield an axe, I like it. And I watch them and I, I'm looking at them like, oh, how do they do that? What am I doing wrong? You know, is my swing off a little bit? It's an axe, by the way, not a golf club. And, uh, and, and, but they were drawn to real power. But here's the problem. When that mixed multitude come out of Egypt, they were drawn to real power without a change of heart. They were discontented with Pharaoh. After all, stay with me now. This guy was destroying their economy. Right? So he's destroying the economy. People are dying in mass. It's worse than any bug you've ever seen. I'm talking about Pharaoh. It just happens to fit. And they're attracted to power and they want to be around power. They've seen leadership in Moses like they've never seen before. Pharaoh's a politicizer, he's a politician fella. And he's doing this and going to that meeting and going to this meeting and, and assembling with this and the heads of state and the powerful people and the pomp and the circumstance. And they're like, this guy doesn't represent who we are. Then you got only a boy named David, right? Then you got only a fellow named Moses. Got the power of God all over him. And I'll tell you what, uh, when, he, when he speaks through his brother Aaron, things happen. When Pharaoh speaks, nothing happens. He just runs his big yap. I'm just telling you this morning, the mess of this mixed multitude is just these people that come out of Egypt and they're following a movement. You know, a lot of Christians today are following a movement. A lot of Christians, uh, and uh, not, to, not, not to become negative or uh, condescending, but this mixed multitude can be found in the church house. It's a type of unregenerate Christian or perhaps even a carnal Christian. I'm going to show you that through our text today. That mixed multitude is a type of unregenerate church member, or it's a type of carnal Christian. You're going to see that because a lot of people are just following a movement. A lot of people are drawn to real power, and they begin to see real power, and I don't claim to have any power at all. 
But people will often come through the doors of that church house and they'll say, my, 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 what a service we had today. Three months after I couldn't find them. Lord himself couldn't find them, but you know he could. You say, why? They're drawn to power without a change of heart. That's the mixed multitude. You see, that thing's a mess. And that mixed multitude was a bunch of Egyptians, a bunch of Hamites that come out of Egypt. And they were fed up with Pharaoh and they were fed up with their economy being destroyed. They were fed up with all the broken promises and all the lies. And they finally see this fella that's got some real power. And like, hey, what do we got to lose? Our farms look like the Dust Bowl from 1933. Let's get out of here. So they get on the old bandwagon and out they go. Two million strong. Intermixed was that mixed multitude. But here's the thing. God's people were God's people. The mixed multitude was not. You say, what's the difference? You see in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, you see the problem comes up through the mixed multitude. Why? Because they were there. They had a desire to see that power, but they hadn't had a change of heart. It's that group that come out of Egypt. They're following a movement. And it's a type of unregenerate church member or simply a carnal Christian. How about this? Can I give you the second thing I see about this mixed up old mess? This mess, you know what they wanted in verse 4? They wanted what they did not have. You ever stop and think about what you want many times? You want what you don't have. You say, preacher, that was really deep. I know, right? That's about as deep as I get. You say, you're selling yourself short. No, I'm a country boy. I understand what that's all about. They wanted what they didn't have. Look at verse 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting. You know what that word lust means? Well, it must be something sexual. No. It's not always. Just because you think that way don't mean the Bible that way. But the word lust means to long after or desire. And this group, this uh, mixed multitude, isn't it interesting how they spell that word mixed? M-I-X-T? That's old English. That's messed up, ain't it? That tells me when I read that thing, because over in Exodus 12, 38, it's M-I-X-E-D. But here it's M-I-X-T. It's almost like they're all intermingled with the people of Israel there. That's just the, that's just the sense I get when I read the passage there. You say, where'd you come up? I just a thought I had. You all have thoughts from time to time. Some of them ain't worth nothing. Neither am I. Amen. But I see that mix, that the mix all in between there. In the verse 4, they fell a-lusting. Now here's the thing. Uh, at the end of that verse, it says, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Now that's an interesting thing. As you read Exodus 12, 38, where you originally hear about the mixed multitude coming out, it says they had flocks and hurdles and cattle, right? What in the world are they whining about flesh? I mean, take one of them things and let's cut some ribeyes. Unless they were so stinking covetous, they wanted what they couldn't have. They were unwilling to sacrifice what they had, and they just wanted what they didn't have. You ever been there, Christian? Well, there's a couple honest, yes, y'all a bunch of liars, amen. They wanted what they didn't have. They had flocks and herds, why not eat from them? But what they really want, look at verse 5. This is a mixed up mess for sure. What they really wanted was what to be they had back in Egypt. You see it? Numbers 11, 5, oh, I can hear it. We remember the fish. I must have been catfish or something like that. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Yum, yum. 
See, they long for the things of Egypt, the place in which they left. Not going to go into it right now. I believe it's in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8. You find the place that they're going to has seven things that the Lord offers them. The things leaving Egypt are only six. Can I just tell you by way of practical application, when you get over there, there's much more over there than there was over here. Amen. Why would you long for stuff that God wanted you out of when he's got more for you up yonder? That's the whole thing. They wanted to be back in Egypt. They wanted, they wanted to be satiated with the things from the world. How quickly they forgot what really happened in Egypt. Do we need to go through another history lesson? How quickly they forgot in Exodus chapter 1 uh, the whippings. Oh, we want the fish. We want the cucumbers. We want the melons. We want the leeks. We want the garlics. Oh, we forgot about the whippings. Forgot about the brick kilns. Had to go make your own bricks. And then uh, when that old preacher, he preached a couple messages and made Pharaoh mad, then they didn't even give a straw. What a rotten fellow. They forgot about all the taskmasters. They forgot about the whippings. And how about that's in Exodus 5, by the way. And they forgot about all the babies being drowned. They longed for the things that were of this world. They longed to be back in Egypt. And have the pleasures of Egypt. But they forgot about all the atrocities and all the horrors. You say, what is it? It's a mixed multitude. It's a mess. And if you're not careful, Christian, you'll get longing for that old hog pen from which you come out of. You'll get longing for Egypt, that place that God pulled you out of that miry clay. And he put your feet upon a rock. And if you're not careful, you'll get going down the road of life. And you'll start longing for those things. That's a mixed up mess. They overlooked the whippings, the brick kilns, and the drowned babies. Another thing I see about this mess, I want you to notice in verse 6 of this mess. This mess of the mixed multitude, interesting enough, they cannot be satisfied with the bread of heaven. They cannot be satisfied with the bread of heaven. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, but now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. You see that? You know what God's provision was? Y'all are smart. You know you know this. God's provision was manna, wasn't it? You ever stop and think that what God wanted them to have was manna? No ribeye? No ribeye. Manna. Ribeye's in the promised land. Amen. Or Lucky's in Bay City. Take your pick. All right? This mess cannot be satisfied with the bread of heaven. But here's the thing. God's provision was manna. It was good, wasn't it? It was good. God's provision didn't cost any money at all to the children of Israel. That's even better, isn't it? God's provision, uh, you know what I know about the manna? It was always fresh. It fell every single day, except the seventh day. It was pleasant to the eyes, and it was easy to make. Could it be that's why it was ridiculed? You know what God's provision for you is? The bread of heaven. You ever wonder why you're unhappy in life? Maybe you haven't taken him up on his provision lately. Maybe deep down inside you ridicule it because it didn't cost you anything. Every time you open it, it's always fresh. 
It's easy to find. You can find it at a dime store or do there ain't no dime stores anymore. Buck and a quarter store, oh, forgive me. Within 30 minutes anywhere. Matter of fact, you go into some towns, you can get a dollar store every four miles. Amen. I wonder why they ridiculed it. It was God's provision. It was good. It cost them nothing. This book costs you nothing. Oh, besides the paper and the ink. It was easy to make. But I reckon that's what the mixed multitude does. They ridicule what's free. That's a mess, ain't it? I mean, you look all the ways you can you can make cakes out of that stuff, right? Who doesn't like a good old pancake? Right off the griddle. I don't care if you're keto or paleo or no carb, you put a fresh pancake in front of me, that thing's going up and it's going down. With lots of butter and syrup on it. Amen. You say, don't you have willpower? Not with pancakes. But it was free. That's God's provision. I'm trying to put a little bit of sweetness on what really is the message this morning. God's provision was man, and they ridiculed it. They said our soul is dried away. You know, as Christians, many times, many Christians are seeing gloom, despair, and agony on me, and deep, dark, and all that stuff there from the hee-haw gang. But the, the fact of the matter is, is we're unhappy because we've, not taking advantage of God's provision. We want God to provide in a different manner than He's already provided. A lot of times as a Christian, we get in the mindset of the mixed multitude which creates a mess. And God's got something for us fresh and new every single day, but we won't go get it because it just doesn't taste like the garlics do. It just doesn't taste like the fresh catfish do. It doesn't taste like what we used to have. That's a mess. God's provision was man, it was good. Now consider that the carnal Christian, even possibly the unsaved church member also, found right here in the local church, instead of being satisfied with the bread of heaven, would rather have the things that please his own flesh in the work and the way of the church house. You say, well, go figure. Well, some people would have rather have a beautiful building, which we do have a beautiful building. Would you agree? Amen. takes a lot to upkeep this thing. You would have no idea what it costs to keep this big old building going. And if you do, praise the Lord. But they'd rather, people would rather have a beautiful building than they would this book right here. They'd rather have some ornate ritual. Amen. They'd rather have ornate rituals than rather to have this book right here. The unregenerate church member or uh, the carnal Christian would rather have easy doctrine than to have the manna that God has for you today. Man, y'all ought to be shouting me down from here if this ain't you. There's only one reason you wouldn't if it was quiet. It's part of the mess. People would rather have places of position and places of importance. You say, well, you're the pastor. Well... Anybody looking, ask God for it. But you give it back in about two weeks, I'll tell you right now. People would rather have ministries that provoke men than what God has provided. I'm trying to get you to think this morning that this mess cannot be satisfied with the bread of heaven. Are you satisfied this morning with his book? Are you satisfied with his words? Or do you have to hear from somebody else? you have to hear from Dr. Fill in the who blank. Well, my favorite is 
Well, I, got, I like some preachers too, but my favorite doctor is Dr. Jesus. It is. There's nothing that can soothe my soul like the Lord and His Word. Sing that song, Ain't Nothing Better Than Jesus. I tell you what, lately I've come, come to learn a little bit about what it means being comforted by the Word and the times in the, in the day where things begin to well up inside you and you start getting nervous, you start getting stressed out, you're like, I'm going to lose it. And the Lord's like, take a look in the book. And I sit down and read the book and the blood pressure begins to come down. Somebody say, man, I'm not the only fool up here. And you begin to get in that book when you start having those thoughts about other brethren or other people. And you're like, I know that's not right, but I don't know what to do with it. And he's like, I've given you the provision for it. So I sit down and read the book and things begin to settle down again. That's his provision. But this mixed up mess, they can't be satisfied. They're always searching for something else. They're always wishing they could go back and get what they used to have. You know what I found out in my Christian life, only been saved since April 24th, 1983, but uh, started getting into the Bible right about 1996, and it became personal and real to me. When I began to desire those things from the old days are the days when I've not been reading the blessed pages written by the Rock of Ages. And the less that I read those pages, then the things from Egypt begin to come back. And and the things that I used to do that I don't want to do, the, the desire to do them begins to come back. That's why Peter, when he was out of fellowship with Jesus Christ, he said, I'm going fishing. Automatically go back to the old ways, the old days, the old thinking, the old habits, the old crowd. But that mess cannot be satisfied with the bread of heaven. Is this making any sense this morning? And I tell you that this mess gets its way, it comes at a steep price. You and I serve such an interesting God, and I say that out of all due respect, that He will let you do whatever it is you want to do. Like, oh no, preacher, he won't. He's not a Calvinist. I'm sitting here, I'm serving you. Notice today, if you want to go do whatever you want to do, He will let you go do it. But it's going to come a cost, come come with a price. See, you were created with a free will. But you were not created free of responsibility. And that's what this generation wants. They want, they want to make all the decisions. They want to make all the uh, changes in, in life and changes in gender. They want to change history, right? They want to change this. They want to change that. They want to change what you are. They want to parade around like a cat. They want to parade around like a dog. They want to parade around like some cotton-picking pervert. But you're not free of the responsibility from your sin. Notice this mess gets its way, but it comes at a steep price. Look at over to verse 31. The Bible says, There went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. Ain't that something? You know what I see here? Even though they're a mess, God still provides. Can you get a hold of that this morning? Even though they're a mess... God still provides. I'm like, yep, that's me, preacher. That's right there. God's provided for me, and I am a mess. <laughs> I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. Y'all are squeaky clean, amen? But I'm thankful I read that, and I'm like, look at that. The Lord is providing for them rascals, even though they shouldn't be. He shouldn't be, but he's doing it anyway. God provides for them. Even though they are a mess, I want you to see in verse 33, because they were a mess, God punishes them. 
Look at verse 32 first. The Bible says, And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day. Good grief. That's a bunch of standing. Isn't it interesting what you'll stand for if it's for yourself? You stand for the Lord for that long? You stand for yourself. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers. I don't know who that fellow homer is, but there, he gathered about ten of them. And since I'm not a very smart individual, I had to look that thing up on uh, Google or whatever it is. Uh, ten homers is 475 pounds. That's a bunch of bird. That's like going down to Lambert's Meat Market and loading up the old Chevy with a bunch of bird. Amen? 475 pounds. Into... <laughs> Isn't it interesting the Bible says they that gather the least? You know what that tells me? There's a bunch of them fellas getting a dump truck full of bird. And if you look over to Psalm 78, we won't do it this morning. I think you see both sides of the coin. Because here, the least gathered 10 homers, 475 pounds worth of bird. But who did the Lord, sl- who did the Lord kill? The Bible says in Psalm 78, I believe it's verse 7, he slew the fattest of them. He slew the chosen men. To me, that would be those who were just right off the rocker. So what are you saying? I'm just saying this mess got its way, but it comes at a steep price. Even though they're a mess, God provides for them. And because they're a mess, God punishes them. Look at verse 33. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people. And the Lord smote the people with a very great have you ever desired something so greatly? Well, let's just call it what it is. You ever lusted after something? And when you got it, you're like, oh. its luster was no longer there. I remember a while back, I had to have me this Carhartt jacket. I like Carhartt. Don't like the price, but I like Carhartt. Good stuff. And I set my eyes on this thing, and wife and I, we've just been married a little bit. And she says, you really need that? And I go, oh, i got to have that. She, she doesn't usually question anything I say or do, but she's like, we're just newly married, right? So she's like, you sure? And I go, oh, man, no, that's it, that's it. You know, that car heart, like me and Jesus, we've got to be together. <clears throat> and she's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. Woman, I'm the boss. Submit. Just kidding. That's what y'all do. Anyways. I, got, I remember getting that jacket because then it wasn't one touch by. You actually had to either mail something in or something. And Anyways, it took like a month of Sundays to get here. finally came and I'm like, oh, my jacket's here. I remember putting that thing on, looking in the mirror. And I'm like, it's not really what it looked like in the magazine. And I just remember that feeling of unfulfillment. And the Lord spoke to my soul and said, feel better? Right? while it was yet in their teeth. They got what they wanted. But while it was in their teeth, the hand of the Lord comes down, busted. I'm telling you, many times a Christian, you're not careful. You'll get lusting and coveting after things, and you'll get the thing you got, and when you got it, you won't be happy with what you got. And that thing will keep on going and keep on going. And you'll be satisfied for about two weeks. And you'll set your sight on something else. And you'll have to get that. And then you get that. And you won't be satisfied. And then you got to get another battery for that. And you got to get another bit for that. And you got to get another magazine for that. And you got to. 
I might know a little bit about it. Amen. And you got to get something for this. And well, well, you know, well, what if my, the, I lose my third one and then the fourth one is stolen by the neighbor? I got to get a fifth. Just never satisfied. And eventually, the Lord comes down and gets a hold of you. I'm saying this morning, the mess gets away, but it comes at a steep price. And the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. Can I finish this message this morning? We're going long. Can I tell you this, that the only cure for this mess is found in verse 33 to 35? The only cure that I see for this mess of the mixed multitude is number one, a funeral, and number two, a new direction. Look at verse 33 with me. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, there was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. Look at verse 34. And he called the name of that place Kibroth Hadava, because there they buried the people that lusted. I'm no Hebrew scholar. I don't know anything about Hebrew. But Kibroth Hadava means graves of lust. The lusters died in verse 33. The lusters were buried in verse 34. But look at verse 35. Here comes a new direction. And the people journeyed from Kibroth Hadava unto Hazareth and abode at Hazareth. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Spiritually speaking, every Christian must come to the place where they have a Kibroth Hadava. And that's the place where he learns to die. He dies to his own lust. He dies to his own passions. He dies to his own appetites. He dies to his own flesh. Didn't Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15 31, I die that's the part you forget isn't it daily I die every Sunday preacher yeah me too man <laughs> but it's daily have you had a Kibroth hat of a lately have you had a place where you buried your lusts have you had a place where you buried your own desires but you don't understand preacher I have got to have I've got to be with I've got to go here. I've got to do this. Bury it. I don't think you know what's coming. Have you had a Kibroth hat of a lately? Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. As a close this morning, I conclude that most every Christian I know is a mess in some sort of way. Now rest assured, I'm not going to string you out here. I'll let the Holy Spirit do it. If you're saved, then you are God's mess. You belong to Him. But your mess is not His fault. And this morning, I'd like to open up this altar for anyone who's willing to come, have that funeral, and seek out that new direction that's only attained by learning to die to yourself. One of the most important things of the Christian life is dying to your own flesh. Listen, Christian, this Christian life doesn't have to be a mixed-up mess. But if it is, just go ahead and bring the mess to this old-fashioned altar and give it to the Lord. As she begins to play, why don't you come speak to the Lord? Come have a kibroth hat of a, this very 
morning. 